First up, at UFC Vegas 28, we have Alejandro Perez versus Johnny Eduardo. Alejandro Perez, 21-8 and eight overall, 3-2 and two in his last five, coming off of two losses. Johnny Eduardo, 28-12, and 12, only 2-3 and three in his last five, also coming off of two losses. Both of these guys are coming off of really long layoffs. It's a weird fight to open up this card, but it has been two years since we've seen Alejandro Perez. Uh, he has good boxing and speed. He throws good power, right? Not insane power, but he throw things. He does throw things with power, uh, and he's happy to get sucked into a firefight. He has a wrestling background, but I don't expect to see him use it. If you break down the UFC stats, if you start really digging in there, uh, you'll see he averages only one half of a takedown over his entire UFC career, but he does have a 73% takedown defense. So basically a guy with a wrestling background is using that wrestling to keep it on his feet. And he's not really initiating any takedowns at all because he loves to strike and get into those firefights and make it dirty. Um, he likes to bang. He wants to keep it on his feet. And that's what the stats show. Um, and I think this fight will take place on the feet. I think he's going to get exactly what he wants because Johnny Eduardo has zero takedowns in his entire UFC career. Johnny Eduardo, three years since his last fight. Three years. So we have two years for Perez, three years for Johnny Eduardo. Uh, and he's on the wrong side of 40. He is the definition of feast or famine. Uh, and when I get these fights, I don't trust the pick. I trust the line, right? Johnny Eduardo will go out there and take your head off or have his head taken off. And it's always hard to pick a guy like that, which is why I like to dig into um, the round lines and bet there. But skill-wise, Johnny Eduardo. Um, wrong side of 40. We talk about that all the time. The first thing to go is your chin. The second thing to go is your speed and then the power. And luckily for him, he gets to keep the power because he does use his power. Uh, he has it. He throws big, heavy punches. He chases knockouts when he's on the ground. The aggression doesn't stop. He's there. He's looking for stuff. He will pound away, hunt for a submission. And he's always trying to make something work. So Johnny Eduardo long layoff over 40 has power. Busy guy if it gets to the ground, but doesn't really get to the ground too often with him. So listen, it's a hard pick. Guys have been out for years, years. So it's a hard pick. What I will say is I like Alejandro Perez in this fight. He's a decent favorite. I get why. He's got the fresher chin. He's got the better striking. Does he have as much power? No. But he does have really good takedown defense. And honestly, he has a backup plan. He has the wrestling if he needs it. He doesn't use it very often, but it is there if he needs it. So I like Alejandro to win this fight. I'm not betting on him. There's too many unknowns here, but I did bet that this fight does not go the distance. I got that at minus 115, and I love when that happens because the fight does not go the distance line was minus 115, but the round line, so under two and a half rounds, was minus 140, which is so weird because if anything, the fight doesn't go the distance line should be worse than it does not go the distance. So I love when I find those holes. I love when I find those gaps. I got that. Uh, we on picks.com slash bets. Jump into the bet online link. That's where I got that bet. For looking at DraftKings, I'm not touching either one of these guys. I'm not. $9,100 on a guy who hasn't fought in two years versus a guy that does have legitimate power. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to spend that money. That's just too rich for my blood. The more or less, 62 and a half to 37 and a half, that's an interesting one. 
I'm, I'm uh, man, 37 and a half is so low. 62 and a half, you know, he does have some good volume. He could probably make something happen. Um, you know, that one will be that one will be interesting. I don't know what I'm going to do with that line. Honestly, I'm not going to throw out a pick just to just to say something. I don't know what I'm going to do with that line. So I bet the under. So probably under 62 and a half for Perez, but 37 and a half is not a lot. Maybe the less less if I think it's going to end really quickly. I'll see what happens to that line over the course of the week. But listen, two year layoff, three year layoff. Uh, what am I going to do? Bet the farm on two guys that we haven't seen in multiple years that are both coming off two losses in a row. So let's be realistic. The fight does not go the distance as the bet to make. Pick-wise, I pick Perez. I'm not touching it for DraftKings or anything else. Next up at UFC Vegas 28, we have Shana Young versus Stephanie Egger. Shana Young, 7-3 and three overall, alternating wins and losses. She is 2-3 and three in her last five. Stephanie Egger, 5-2 and two overall, 3-2 and two in her last five. Both of these ladies coming off of the loss in their UFC debut. Shayna Young, she's a solid boxer. She's not afraid to fight inside the pocket. She does have some decent power. She's very tough. She doesn't stop coming forward. She's a good wrestler, but there's gaps in the BJJ department. So she can get it to the ground. What she does when she gets there is not much. Stephanie has solid power, sloppy, but effective takedowns. She marches forward. She looks to tie you up. She works from there. Uh, whether it's hold you against the cage or muscle you to the ground, she does not have clean, nice, lower your level, get in on the hip type takedowns, right? She's going to push you against the cage. She'll stay there or she'll literally just drag you to the ground. Uh, if Stephanie can get into a rhythm with her striking and keep Egger at bay um, before shooting her own takedowns, honestly, she should win. Um if you watch Steph, if you watch Stephanie Egger fight Tracy Cortez, she was basically dominated with traditional wrestling, right? Tracy got in on the hips, took her down. Nice, solid traditional wrestling, which Shana Young does have. Hard call to make. It's a hard call to make. Shana should come out, wrestle first, follow the Tracy Cortez game plan, right? We've seen it work. She should follow that game plan. Or she could come out, strike like her last fight, be held against the cage her whole time, and lose. It's it's a tricky fight, man. When you're Shayna and you have the wrestling takedowns and you've seen your opponent lose to those traditional wrestling takedowns, you have to imagine that that's what she's going to do. You have to imagine that she's going to lean on the wrestling background, background and make something happen. So I'm going to have to go with Shayna Young. That's the pick. I think she'll use her traditional wrestling get it on the hips, and take Stephanie down. But Stephanie is very capable at keeping people at bay and then getting them against the cage, holding there and working from there. So if Stephanie's going to lean on Shayna, grind on Shayna, hold her there, keep her from dropping elevation, getting to her hips, it's going to be a boring Stephanie Egger win. The pick is Shayna. There is no DraftKings line for this, which is interesting. Um, if you go through DraftKings, it has 13 fights, but the 12th fight is just missing, which is this one. So no DraftKings line. I'm going to stay away from it. I don't care what they're priced at. Monkey knife fight. Now that's an interesting one because I do think this will go the distance. I think they'll just, they'll go at it. And keep in mind, these are not significant strikes. These are total strikes. So if they're both trying to take each other down, or so if Stephanie is holding Shayna against the cage, Shayna's just doing little pop, 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 pop shots. Every single one of those counts. If Shayna gets a takedown or while Stephanie's defending takedowns, same type thing. Every single strike counts. 
I'm thinking the more and more 79 is very high, but I am thinking the more and more because when it's on their feet, Stephanie's the busier, more aggressive striker. Um, you know, and she just marches forward. So I like the more and more monkey knife fight. I'm not going to touch it for DraftKings. I don't even care what their values are. Uh, Shane is the pick, but listen, it's not, don't force anything. Don't, you don't need to bet on every fight. You don't even need to have a pick for every fight. I have to because I run a channel with the name picks in it. But the reality is it's kind of going to be it's going to be a sloppy fight. Two grapplers, very different grappling styles. One hold against the cage, boring, look for trips. The other shoot actual takedowns. Once it gets to the ground, neither one are going to offer much. And on their feet, they're both willing to bang, but it's not going to be that exciting. So don't, don't spend money on this. The monkey knife fight line is probably – the only thing that I would consider touching. And the reality is in monkey knife fight, I'm going to look for a rapid fire or a slate. And I'll do the more on Shana young in those Stephanie Eggers at 80 79 is pretty high. So I made my pick. I do not have any bets on this fight. And I don't think I will next up at UFC Vegas 28. We have Douglas Andrade. His name is much longer than that. I've just eliminated half of it. Douglas Andrade versus Gaetano Perello. Douglas Andrade, 26 and four overall, alternating wins and losses, two and three in his last five. Gaetano Perello, 15 and six in his career. He is three and two in his last five. And there's a theme on this card. Almost every single fighter is coming off of a loss. If you look at both their records, they both have a ton of experience. But there's a big difference between Andrade and Perello's MMA experience. Andrade has fought everyone in two divisions essentially a list of champions and former world champions. So Douglas Andrade definitely has the healthier record. You look at their records, a ton of fights. Douglas Andrade, that one's a little deeper, not as hollow. Uh, he's going back to 135 for this fight. We haven't seen them at that weight class since he lost to Peter Jan. So he jumps between 35 and 45. He's, I mean, look at the picture. Look at it. Guys, I, I, jacked. I don't know how he's going to drop 10 more pounds, and he's done it in the past, obviously, but you get a little older, you got comfortable at 45, working your way back down is not an easy task at all. Uh, he's definitely going to be the bigger fighter in there, but I don't know what that extra 10-pound cut is going to do to him. I really don't. I don't know what his card is going to look like, uh, but he's a compact guy. He's got a solid power, good boxer, and he's at solid BJJ in the ground. He doesn't wrestle to get there. Uh, so he loves to strike and make it dirty. If it gets to the ground, he's perfectly fine down there. Uh, but he doesn't get it there in his own very often. We, we talked about this, man. I, I can't stand these guys that have really good jujitsu, but no wrestling and have no ability to get there. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Gaetano Perello, when you break down Gaetano, you almost need to ignore his last fight. He made his UFC debut against the relentless Ricky Simone, which was a horrendous matchup for him. The poor guy, UFC debut. And I don't know why they gave him that matchup because I feel like Gaetano is a guy that the UFC is going to want to push, get a little money behind, and get you excited about because he is an incredible Muay Thai striker. Incredible Muay Thai striker. He has 11 nasty knockouts in his career. Uh, he fights like a traditional high-level Muay Thai guy. He uses all eight of his limbs. And if you never heard that before, that's what, in Muay Thai, that's what we refer to. You have eight limbs. You have hands, elbows, knees, and feet. And he uses all of them in all positions, he'll fight at range, he'll fight in the clinch, he'll light up your legs, he'll knee in the face. He works everything. Um, he should be able to outstrike anybody in that division. He's a very scary guy on his feet, but only on his feet. He's essentially useless 
in the takedown department. If you were building a character in a video game and you had a, a hundred points to put, they put 99 points on striking, zero points on takedown defense, and one point on the ability to stand up from takedowns because he can get up, he has gotten up, and then he just gets taken right back down. Uh, so there's a very, very clear path to victory if you're on Drudge. Very clear path. Shoot some takedowns, get him to the ground, and that's it. You'll be good there. The problem is, I don't know if Andrade is going to do that. You know, it's uh, he has one, he averages one takedown per fight in his entire UFC career. So it's, or, sorry, doesn't. He's under one takedown per fight in his entire UFC career. And that's a pretty long career. It's a really interesting fight. I totally understand why Douglas Andrade is the favorite. I totally understand it. I get it. I really do. Because it's a very clear path to victory. But he's a guy who doesn't use his wrestling. He doesn't use his grappling a ton. He's got a lot of power. He definitely has the better experience. I think he's going to mix it up on his feet and be on the wrong end of it. This feels sort of like a, uh, all right, here you go, Gaetano. Let's see how good you actually are. It's not a crazy test, but it's a good enough fight that we should see what happens. So listen, Douglas Andrade coming down in weight. That's not going to do any favors for his chin. Not really a wrestler. That's not going to help him out in this matchup. I honestly like Gaetano, the underdog. I like him here. I think he'll get to showcase some of his striking. I don't think he's going to be defending takedowns this entire time. And if he does get the strike, it should be a pretty short night for Andrade. So I like I like Gaetano, man. And if you're looking at his DraftKings, that's a solid price point. $7,000. Uh, you know, that that's not... That's not a terrible play. $9,200 for Douglas Andrade. If you think he's going to go out there and get a takedown, then yeah, you should. If you have good wrestling like Ricky Simone did, you can score 1 million points fighting somebody like Gaetan on the UFC. A million points. Takedown, 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 takedown. Over and over and over. Beat him up. Maybe get a stoppage. I don't see Andrade doing that. Strike line. I like the less on Andrade and, and probably the less on Gaetano because I do think if he gets his hands going, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. I mean, he's world-level Muay Thai striker. Douglas Andrade, tough guy, big guy, strong guy. His chin's probably not going to be what it should be after sucking another 10 pounds. I like Gaetano. I don't know what I'm going to do bet-wise. I'll have to look at the inside the distance. I might do money line. I'm almost doubling my money there. Uh, check out some of the props. Bet Online has amazing props. We want picks.com. Slash bets, monkey knife fight, maybe the less less. I'm not completely positive, but I think I'm going to put Gaetano in my knockout kings. We on picks.com slash MKF. Promo code WWP instant deposit match up to $100. Next up at UFC Vegas 28, we have Jamie Malarkey versus Devante Smith. Jamie Malarkey, 13 and 4 in his career. Three and two in his last five. Devonte Smith eleven and two in his career. Four and one in his last five. And finally, we've got a matchup with two guys coming off of a win. Jamie Malarkey is coming off that beautiful knockout win over Kama Worthy in under one minute. I picked Jamie in that fight. Couldn't be happier with how that went down. Um, Jamie's a competent striker. He's not great anywhere. Meaning with his striking. He'll fight at range. He's not great at it. He'll fight in the pocket. He's not great at it. So when he strikes, he's honestly a pretty adaptable guy. Wherever the fight is, that's where he will be. Um, but he's solid everywhere, and he does put things together. Uh, he's a pretty good volume guy. He comes forward quite a bit. Um, if you look at his losses, 
He honestly had a decent outing against Brad Riddell, who we know is very good. He has a loss to Volkanovski, the champion, in 2016, and has a nice body of work under him. The story there is he lost to Volkanovski and then said, oh, I want to, that guy beat the crap out of me. I want to go train with him. So he moved himself over to there, started training there, and we've seen the improvements in his striking because he is primarily a grappler. That are his that that is his roots. Those are his roots. Is the grappling last fight beautiful knockout? He didn't need to use it, but uh, he ground and pounds really, really well. And it's there to set up transitions to create scrambles where he looks for a submission, which honestly is a beautiful style. He'll take you down. He'll beat you up as soon as you start squirming and working out of that. That's when he looks for a submission. He doesn't force anything. He scores points. He beats you up on top. Devontae Smith, a very good striker, solid head movement and distance control. He has legit power and he picks his shots well, meaning he doesn't waste his power. He doesn't throw a million power shots, miss half of them. He picks his shots. Nice jab. Bang. Big, heavy punch to follow it up. Um, as Malarkey comes in for a takedown, you can expect those are the shots that Devontae Smith is going to pick. Malarkey comes in, boom, there's the big heavy shot. Devontae's probably going to try to keep Malarkey away with that jab. And then again, as Malarkey commits, that's when the big shot will come in. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting matchup because I'm expecting Malarkey to not ditch his roots. I don't think he's going to forget his roots. I see him going back to the grappling. I see him coming forward, working from there, looking for takedowns. The trouble for Malarkey will be that Devontae Smith, at least in the UFC, has a 100% defense against takedowns. Never been taken down in the UFC. Granted, he hasn't fought anybody with a wrestle-first game plan, but he can only deal with what he has in front of him, and he's defended every single takedown that's come his way. I do have Malarkey winning. I'm not in love with it. I have Malarkey winning. I think the, the growth he's had in the striking department will help keep him alive on his feet, and then he's going to look for some takedowns. Hopefully, he's a smart enough guy. He's coming out of a good camp. They have solid game plans. They're not stupid. I'm imagining that even though he's had some recent success in the striking department, that will just be there to set up the takedowns and it'll work from there. We don't know how good Defonte Smith's takedown is. It's 100%, but against who? Malarkey's the pick. I'm not in love with it. And if you're on the other side of it, both of these guys are fantastic for DraftKings. If you think Devontae Smith's going to knock out Jamie Malarkey, who's going to come in sloppy looking for a takedown or come in with his decent but not great striking, then Devontae Smith will score you a million points. If you think Jamie Malarkey is going to come in here, have some solid point striking, there's not enough power. I mean, he knocked out Cameron Worthy, but that's not going to happen with Devontae Smith. He's going to come in here with some solid point striking to set up his takedowns. If you think that's what's going to happen, then $7,500 is an amazing price point. DraftKings? Whatever side you're on, go for that side. I'm not going to convince you otherwise. But what I will say is Monkey Knife Fight, I do like the more and more. I like the more and more quite a bit. I think that uh, the book, the bookkeepers and, and Chris who set this line, you know, he goes by the projected rounds and stuff like that. I, they think it's a murder. I, I think it's a good back and forth fight. I think it goes a few rounds. I'll probably bet the over on rounds in this fight, honestly. Um, so I like the more and more. I think they'll let them fly. I think they'll... You know, Devontae Smith's got a super busy jab. Those are all strikes adding up. Jamie Malarkey's seeing some volume on his feet. He'll be looking to set up takedowns. Devontae's going to touch him when he's defending takedowns. Jamie Malarkey's going to touch him up if he gets him to the ground. I like the more and more monkey knife fight. That's probably my most confident part of this fight pick. 
Wehauntpicks.com slash MKF. If you've never done Monkey Knife Fight, it's super easy. It is a ton of fun. You literally see the strike line on the on the screen, and you just say more or less, and you can triple your money, two and a half times your money with a win. Wehauntpicks.com slash MKF. If you're watching this live, play that line now because they move. Chris lets us keep the lines where they are, and then in the morning after we air, he moves them based on the money that comes in, based on the feedback that he gets. So if you like it, hit it now before it moves. Next up at UFC Vegas 28, we have Carol Rosa versus Betch. Not Beth, Betch. Coheya. Carol Rosa, 14-3 and three overall, has a nice win streak, and she is lossless in her last five. Betch Coheya, 11-5 and five overall, only one win in her last five, three losses, and a draw. Carol Rosa is on a tear. But if you dig deeper, there's only one real good win in there, and that was over Procopio. She's an okay striker, but she has incredible volume. She's not the most technical fighter in the world, but she'll come forward, and she will throw strike after strike after strike, and that monkey knife fight strike line tells that story. She's willing to trade, but she doesn't like to get ugly. So she'll be busy. She'll stand there. You'll throw. She'll throw. But if it gets dirty and you're in the pocket and you're beating her up a little bit, that, that she will back out from there and try to keep it at range. She is the definition of a decision fighter. She's got solid takedown offense and defense. Even though she has the higher volume striking, I don't think uh, she's going to look to get it to the ground. Um, I, I, you know, I, I just don't think she's going to look to get it there. She's got the higher volume of striking, but I, I think Betch could give her some trouble in that pocket. You know, I mentioned that she doesn't like dirty fights, and I think Betch will make it dirty. I don't think she's going to shoot a takedown, even though her stats show that when she does, she's somewhat effective. Um, taking Betch down, though, is a tall task. So even if she does want to get there because she's not feeling the pocket, Betch's takedown defense is 84% in her very long UFC career. Betch Kahea. Uh, might have had the fastest rise and fall we've ever seen in the division. Came into the UFC, killing it, killing it, killing it. Fought Ronda Rousey for a belt. Ever since then, it has been an incredibly rocky road for her. Part of the problem is she got that fight probably too soon in her career. And then the other part of the problem is once you fight for the belt, you're sort of stuck at that, that high level for a while. And she lost to all of those top one, two, three, four women. And then it sort of beats up her record. And that's why she only has one win in the last five fights. But if you dig deeper into those losses, like I said, they're at top competition. You get to the top. It's very hard to just take five steps backwards and fight medium level, you know, rising up and comers. You're stuck fighting those high level competition. And that's what her recent losses look like. It was all top competition in her last five fights, except Sajara Eubanks, who she beat. And Sajara looked great in her last fight. It was a close fight with Sajara, but she did beat her. And it was her takedown defense that got that fight done. Um, Betch has solid power. She also has good volume and she's got really good groundwork. Uh, she's super tough. She's willing to slug it out. Listen, the pick is Carol because Betch Kahea, you know, while she's got that experience, while she's fought an incredibly high level for a long time, she's, she's, she's beat up. She's older. She's beat up. She said, this is her last fight. Anytime you have sort of those, I'm out of here after this type fights. I don't know what you're going to bring. I don't know if you're just riding it out for a paycheck or if you're going to come out there and, and really make a statement. So listen, Carol Rosa on her way up, Betch Kahea on her way down. The difference here 
or sort of the challenge here will be, does Bechkeheya stay in her face, make it dirty, make it ugly, and that will make Carol Rosa uncomfortable. She doesn't like that. And if she does do that, she's going to look to take Betch down. She's going to struggle taking Betch down as everybody else has. And then she can lose a decision because she's not able to get Betch down, wasting energy. It looks bad for the judges. I That is an outcome. It's not the most likely outcome. The most likely outcome is that Carol Rosa just touches up Betch Cahaya, beats her up over three rounds, lands whenever she wants to. Betch isn't going to look for a takedown. She is going to look to get in her face and make it dirty. So, listen, Carol is the pick, but Betch Cahaya is not a plus 260 underdog. These odds are wide, man. Carol Rosa should be a minus 150 favorite. Betch Cahaya, it's easy to look at her last five, rip her, say she's done. But the reality is she's only fought an incredibly high level of competition for the last couple of years. So you can't you can't look at her record and say she's a bum. Well, Carol Rosa, I said she's got that win over Procopio. The other wins are not great. So... Carol's is the pick. I'm not touching DraftKings, not at that price point. There's no bet to be made when you're a minus 350 favorite. Uh, the monkey knife fight, that's a tricky one. I might go less, less on that fight. I do think it's probably a decision, but Betch's savviness could get her against the cage, stay in the pocket, make it ugly, keep Carol under 129. 129 is a massive number. That's a massive number. So Betch could stay in there. Tie her up a bit, hold her against the cage a bit, remove some of those strikes, keep her up under 129. And at 81.5, listen, Carol manages range well. She's she's longer. You know, for Betch to get 81.5, she would have to get a takedown probably or hold her against the cage the entire time. So I like the less, less. I think they'll both have moments of success. The less, less in Monkey Knife Fight is probably the only way you're going to make any money on this fight. Bet-wise, maybe I'll go look at some of the interesting props. Betch inside the distance, decision, no action, but she's not exactly knocking people out either. Both of these women are decision fighters. So, you know, monkey knife fight's the only play here, and constraint, self-control, is why I do pretty well every single week because I'm not chasing things that I don't need to chase. Next up, at UFC Vegas 28, we have Antonina Shevchenko versus Casey O'Neal, Antonina Shevchenko, you do recognize that last name. She is the champion sister. She's nine and three in her career, alternating wins and losses, only two and three in her last five. Casey O'Neal, seven and oh, five and oh in her last five. But this is a big step up for her, at least as far as striking prowess is concerned. Shevchenko does not have very good takedown defense. We've seen her beat up time and time again because of her lack of takedown defense. If you go back and watch the Chikagian fight, Takes her down, beats her up. That's the path. Super simple. Very straightforward path to victory there. She has a 50% takedown defense in the UFC, and Casey O'Neill averages almost four takedowns per fight. And you would see those stats, and you would say, oh, Casey O'Neill, grappler. She's going to get smoked in the striking department. No, she's a Muay Thai striker. She's got solid elbows. She's very willing to brawl, and she gets into firefights. She loves an ugly fight. She does have solid wrestling. She's very explosive. Her jiu-jitsu lacks a bit, but she's so athletic, she can make up for some of the holes in the in the grappling department with her athleticism and sort of her wrestling hips. This should be a very clear win for her, honestly. It's a clear path, and it should be a clear win for her. I, she's not going to be as technical as Shevchenko on her feet, but she will be as tough. She will be in her face, and she will use all of her tools. And then she's got the wrestling. She's got the takedowns right behind it. 
get her to the ground, which we've seen everybody do. So it should be a pretty straightforward fight. If she wins the striking exchanges, great. Stay there. Continue that path. If she doesn't, great. Backup plan. It works. Go to the wrestling. I may spend the $9,000 on her in DraftKings because she'll probably get a stoppage. And if she doesn't, there'll be a bunch of takedowns, a bunch of exchanges, and it should be a nice, dirty fight to score a ton of DraftKings points. 9000 is a lot, but I don't really love a lot of people on this card at that price point. Uh, the strike line, it's a high one. That really is a high one because I think she can get Shevchenko down, sort of beat her up. 124 is high. If you think this is a slugfest and they go at it and it's a long fight, do the more and more. Do the more and more. If you think Casey O'Neill beats her up the way Caitlin Chikagian did, but at a higher level because she's got better striking than Caitlin, better takedowns than Caitlin, not as good at jujitsu. But I'm going to look at the Chikagian strikes and base my pick off of that. If Chikagian was more than this, then I'll go more. If Chikagian was less, I'll definitely go less. So I'm going to dig into those stats and base my monkey knife I pick off of that. My gut is saying less, less, because I think Casey O'Neill will beat her up on her feet, get her on the ground, and Shevchenko is not really going to have the opportunities to get off 62 and a half strikes. Bet-wise, I'm definitely going to look at some Casey O'Neill bets. I'm definitely going to look at them. I didn't love anything initially. I may go money line. Honestly, you know I don't like big heavy favorites. Two to one is is a, still heavier than I like to do, but minus two ten. That's not crazy. That's not crazy. I and I think she's a, almost a guaranteed win here. So I may do a money line bet on her at minus two ten, but uh, we'll take a look at some of the other props and see what we got going on there. You want to grab one of those? We own picks.com slash bets. We have promos with 100% deposit match, 125% deposit match, all the way up to $2,500. Get your free money. We have it everywhere. Next up at UFC Vegas 28, we have Joe Selecki versus Jared Gordon. Joe Selecki, 11 and 2 in his career, 5 and 0 in his last five. Jared Gordon, 17 and 4 overall. 3-2 and two in his last five. Joe Selecki's a very good grappler coming off of a solid win over Jim Miller. When I did that breakdown way back then, I said, Joe Selecki is like Jim Miller 2.0, and that's exactly what he is. And that's still the case. He's very slick on the ground, really makes things happen with his pressure and transitions, but he has solid hands. That's the 2.0. He has solid striking. Very solid striking. It's boxing, but he has solid striking. His boxing is clean and crisp, and it's not just there to set up takedowns. He will hang out. He will box with you. He doesn't need to just go, oh, let me take a shot real quick. Great on the ground. Good, clean boxing. Joe Selecki is a problem for a lot of people, including Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon, he's coming up in weight for this fight. Gordon is also a good wrestler, solid pressure of his own, decent striking of his own. Even though he's a wrestler, I don't know if he's going to want to get it to the ground because there is a big gap between them as far as the pure jujitsu is concerned. A lot of things are working against Gordon in this fight. He'll be smaller because he's coming up in weight. He might be intimidated to rely on his wrestling, which is his background, because, you know, he'll end up on the ground with Joe Selecki. He's really solid on the ground. But if you dig into the stats, you'll see that Gordon lands twice as many strikes per minute as Selecki. He gets more takedowns per fight, but unfortunately he also gets hit almost three times as much as his opponents do. He definitely has fought the high level of competition. So it's a, it's a tough pick. 
And I've been saying that a lot in this card. There's some decent matchups. The favorites are way too big of a favorite. And uh, the close ones like this should honestly be close. Conventional wisdom will say Joe Selecki, dangerous on his feet, dangerous on the ground, riding quite the win streak. And he has a win over Jim Miller, but you know, 40-year-old Jim Miller is not Jim Miller five years ago. Where if you look at Jared Gordon's record, good, solid wins and solid losses. He beat Danny Chavez. He lost to um, Charles Oliveira. So he's fought a higher level of competition. He's always, even when he gets stopped, he's always putting on a show. Joe Selecki's the pick because I think Jared may be intimidated with the takedowns, but I would not be shocked if Jared's like, I don't care, comes out there, throws some bombs, gets some takedowns, and just sort of keeps Selecki where he is and doesn't let Selecki get off. Selecki's the pick, but it's not, you know, it's not the most confident pick I've ever had. But I will say $8,300 for somebody who has the upside for a KO and a submission is a solid price to pay. So I will probably have Joe Selecki in my lineup. I will do it with a shaky finger because I'm not, you know, anytime you get these young guys on a streak that get a, a little bit of a step up, and I know Jim Miller was a step up, but Jim Miller. They have the styles make fights. Him and Jim Miller had the exact same style. He was just better at it. Jared Gordon is a little bit of a different style, has better offensive wrestling. Hope no problem trading if he wants to trade. And he's been in some fights and he's not used up. The dude's only 33 years old. He's not 50. So tough pick. Joe Selecki's the pick. My finger will shake when I grab it. Monkey knife fight, less, 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 less. Because I think Jared Gordon, if he lands 95 shots, that's going to be a big, long, rough night for Joe Selecki. And Joe Selecki, if he gets 84, that means that it's mostly on the ground. He does have that clean boxing. But if he's getting past 50 strikes, Jared Gordon's going to shoot some takedowns. He'll get them. He's an effective wrestler. He'll get the takedowns. And then Joe Selecki will be a problem on the ground. You know, it'll lower his strike count. So I like the less-less with Monkey Knife Fight. Bet-wise... I will probably do an inside-the-distance decision-no-action bet on Joe Selecki. If Joe Selecki loses, he will lose a decision. If he wins, he'll probably get a submission, and that will hedge me against a potential, you know, a potential uh, upset here from Jared Gordon. So I'll probably take a look at that. The odds aren't going to be fantastic, but I will take a look at that. If you want to grab any of those, we want picks.com slash MKF for Monkey Knife Fight slash bets for bets. Next up, at UFC Vegas 28, we have Alexander Hernandez versus Mike Breeden. Alex Hernandez, 12-4 and four in his career, alternating wins and losses. He is 2-3 and three in his last five. Mike Breeden, 10-3 overall, 4-1 and one in his last five, coming off of two losses. Mike Breeden is taking this on short notice. Alex Hernandez has had an interesting run in the UFC. He alternates wins and losses. But if you look at his wins, he looks like a world beater. He looks like he could be a champion. And then if you look at his losses, he's a dud. It is, I mean, it's incredible the difference you see in him between fights. But if you dig into the wins, you will be impressed. He's got a win over Benil Dariush. He's got a win over Francisco Trinaldo. Uh, and those are big. He's a solid wrestler. He's a solid athlete. He has legitimate power. He has very good speed. And when he's on, he is on. Alex Hernandez, if you know he's going to show up, that dude is always the pick. Mike Breeden making his UFC debut on short notice. We watched him lose on Contender Series. 
But there were some things to take away from that loss and his two wins after that fight outside of the UFC. He's a good striker. He has solid range control, solid variety. He's got some power, but not sure if it's enough. He's a high-volume guy that is always throwing something. His hand is always out there. He's always looking to hit, looking busy, making things happen. Uh, I always talk about paths to victory and ways to win. Who has more ways to win? And this is, you know, in this breakdown, Alex Hernandez has more ways to win. He has more paths to victory. Uh, I think his striking is probably better. He definitely has the power and the speed. Is it as technical? Maybe not. But he's got the power and speed. His wrestling is definitely better. He's fought the higher level of competition. So I am thinking, I am hoping that this is Alex Hernandez. Get a nice win. Start a new streak and get that going. I think he needs to fight guys at sort of this level for a little while before he gets thrown in there with killers. Because the problem is, he looks like an animal. He destroys somebody. The UFC says, this guy's an animal. Then they give him a step up. He loses, comes back down, destroys somebody, step up, loses. This is a last-minute replacement. It's a new opponent. It's an easier opponent than the original one. The odds are probably a little wide because of Alex Hernandez's inconsistencies, but he should win. He should dominate. $9,400? I don't know if I'm going to spend that. I will think about it. It's not a hard no. Um it's a lot of money, a lot of money. So I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to spend that money, but I do like the more and more in the monkey knife fight strike line. I don't think Alex is going to come rip his head off, knock him out. 46 strikes. He'll probably get a takedown or two. They'll mix it up on their feet. Mike Breeden's busy guy. Come forward. I like the more and more in the monkey knife fight strike line. DraftKings, like I said, I'm probably not going to touch $9,400, but um, I might. <laughs> we'll see how my lineup fleshes out. Uh, I don't think he's a trap, right? I just, I'm worried about spending $9,400 and he doesn't put up a ton of points. It's not that I'm worried about 9,400 and then he's going to get knocked out. I don't think this is a very close fight. Mike Breeden, busy. There is a path to victory, right? Stay in Alex's face. Let him get tired. He does struggle with cardio at times, but should be a pretty straightforward win for Alex the Great. Next up at UFC Vegas 28, we have Aspen Ladd versus Macy Chasson. We've broken down this fight. You may have seen that breakdown. You may not have. I'll do it again. But this fight has been rebooked. Aspen Ladd coming off a really long layoff. She's back. Then a little layoff again. And now it's finally rebooked. Aspen Ladd, 9-1 overall. 4-1 in her last five. Macy Chasson, 7-1 overall. Also 4-1 in her last five. Aspen Ladd is coming off of a two-year layoff. She's a wild fighter, borderline crazy person. She's not very technical, but she is very tough, and she's pretty good everywhere. The long layoff was because she tore her ACL and MCL, which, have, as we've seen, is a major surgery, which is why there's a two-year layoff and a long recovery. But the time off may have been good for her. She may have buttoned things up, reduced the wildness a little bit, clean it up, uh, stay a little more focused and on task in the fights and not get sucked into, into craziness. And to focus on her weight. She has had weight issues in the past. Her one and only loss is because of a really hard weight cut. And even that was controversial. Last time we broke this fight down, Jacob told the story. He mentioned that um, she challenged the loss. So Aspen Ladd said that was an early stoppage. She challenged it with the commission. The commission put it to a vote. And they voted three and two in favor of keeping it. But that means two of those people on the commission voted to say, you're right. That was an early stoppage. And we should take that loss off your record. So that does say a lot. You don't see that very often. Maisie Chesson, tall, long. 
She does get hit if you stay in her face. If you get in that face and you get past the length and the reach, you can touch her up. Uh, when she can keep the distance, she's very good. She's very technical, and her striking is really, really nice. When we talked about it last time, we talked about the size of the cage, and we're back in the apex. This is a small cage, and that may be a factor here because she's not going to have all the room to circle, to move. She's not going to have unlimited room to keep Aspen Ladd away. Aspen's just going to march forward, and if Macy can't move, she ran out of cage, it's going to be a problem for her because – Distance, great. Inside the pocket, not so great. Before I get to my pick, I'm going to retell a story that Jacob told last time we broke down this fight. He talked about how in high school, Macy Chesson was just hanging out. And then some kid, out of peer pressure, did a drive-by shooting, shot up Macy. Macy was fine, obviously, but shot her up. And now that dude is in prison for an incredibly long time. Has nothing to do with the fight pick, but it was an interesting story last time. Jacob's not here to tell it this time. so. I told it. Um, listen, if Aspen's healthy, her knees are working. She's not afraid to use them. If Aspen's healthy, she will move forward, stay in Macy's face, beat her up, not give her any room, and she will dominate this fight and look every bit the minus 210 favorite. Two-year layoff, a couple of major surgeries. That's uh, That raises a lot of questions, right? That raises some concerns. I have to assume she's ready. I have to assume that she... Um, is healthy, that she'll fight the way she fought, but be improved because there's been extra time. So Aspen Ladd's definitely the pick. Aspen Ladd will probably be in my lineup at $8,900. We'll see. We'll see. I could do her instead of Alex Hernandez at 94, make some things happen. Watch the DraftKings breakdown. We'll get into more depth about that, but she'll probably be in my lineup at 8,900 bucks. But if I don't think there's a stoppage, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I think she'll dominate. I do think she'll get rid of any range, get in her face, beat up Macy. I think she'll look really, really good in that win. Maybe shake some rust out in the beginning and then just get sucked right into another wild fight. Minus 210 is probably correct. She's the pick. Monkey knife fight, I like the more and more. I don't think there's going to be a finish necessarily. I like the more and more. I think they'll go at it. I think she'll get in Macy's face, touch her up, but Macy's going to touch Aspen on the way in. More and more, three rounds, two busy fighters. I like the more and more monkey knife fight. We want picks.com slash bets to grab your promo up to $1,000, up to $2,500 of free money. We want picks.com slash MKF for a $100 deposit match. Monkey knife fight strike line, more and more is my pick. Next up at UFC Vegas 28, we have Misha Serkinov versus Christoph Jotko. Misha Serkinov, 15 and six overall. Two and three in his last five, alternating wins and losses coming off of a loss. Christoph Jotko, 22 and five in his career, three and two in his last five, also coming off of a loss. This is striker versus grappler. It's it's pretty clear breakdown as far as that is concerned. But Misha Serkinov is a very good grappler. He's got big shots on his feet. He does have solid kicks as well when he throws those, and he uses those big strikes to set up takedowns, and that's where he shines. That's where he wants to be. His takedowns are solid. They're very well-timed. He's aggressive on the ground, and he's always looking for a finish. He throws up a bunch of submissions and can be relied on to stick to his strengths, which is good because in this fight, he will need to. I don't think we're going to see Misha Serkinov getting sucked into a technical boxing match, and that confidence 
in his game plan, which is the grappling, is very good, and that will be needed because Christoph Jotko is a very competent striker. Last time we broke down Christoph Jotko, Dan was here. Dan talked about how he went to the gym. If you don't know, Dan is on this channel, former UFC fighter uh, at American Top Team, and he went to American Top Team a year or two ago just to get some rounds in, stay in shape, and uh, he got paired up with Jotko. He mixed it up with Jotko during a couple sparring sessions, and he said that his speed was fantastic. He's incredibly athletic, and there were times where he was getting hit, and like, where did that come from? So Jotko, very good, fast, athletic striker. He has fantastic speed. Uh, he also has really good takedown defense and high-volume output. He will likely 2-1 to one or 3-1 to one the strikes of Misha Serkinov. Um, he will look to dance around the outside and touch up Misha. He'll likely not overcommit to anything because he's going to be afraid of those takedowns coming in. This is a tough fight to pick, though, because Misha is much, much better on the ground, but Jotko has very good distance control and very good takedown defense. His takedown defense is 87%, which is very, very high. And Misha Serkinov's takedown offense is 57%, which is honestly is not bad because the way they scored attempted takedowns is a little sketchy. Like you'll see in a fight, you're holding somebody against the cage, you drop down a little bit. Even if you don't commit to it, they'll rule that as sort of a takedown attempt. So it's a, it's a, it's a much closer fight than I think the odds have it because to, to put Jotko at a minus 160 favorite, you're basically saying you're positive Jotko is not going to get taken down. Because if he gets taken down, he's way outclassed. And I don't see that. I don't see that. Misha's my pick. I have a question mark on my spreadsheet here with next to the pick. But Misha's my pick. I think he will eventually get a takedown. I think he'll get those big shots in. He'll crowd Jotko. Hopefully avoid the incredible speed of Jotko. He'll crowd him. Get some big shots in. Get a takedown. And as soon as they hit the mat, there is a world of difference between the two of them. From there, Misha will go to work and make something happen. Misha Serkinov's the pick. I'm pretty confident in it. Not, you know, and I'm sorry. I know a lot of these breakdowns. I'm not like, this is the pick. Bang. A lot of close fights. Good matchmaking on this card. Misha's the pick. I will have him in my lineup at $7,600 because if he wins, it will be by submission and he'll put up some solid points. I may put a money line bet on him. I'm going to see if that line moves a little more. Because, you know, he could be jabbed to hell and stuck at range. Monkey knife fight? Oh, man. Probably more and more. If it's not more and more, it's less more. Because 67 and a half is a lot for Jocko. But I do think Jocko is going to get a ton of strikes off. And he's going to touch up, you know, Misha at times. But I think Misha is just going to take the beating, work his way in, get the takedown. And then from there, soften him up with his own punches and work for a submission. So you're going to get 67, 20 per round? He might. More and more is probably the play. It's probably the play just because he is fast. He does have good volume. And even if Misha gets takedowns, Jotko will touch him up. I mentioned he'll have two to two or three to one, the striking output that Misha will. So I see Jotko having some effective moments, eventually getting taken down, probably submitted or at least controlled and beat up. More and more monkey knife fight. Misha's my pick. Misha's in my DraftKings lineup. I'd probably put a Misha money line bet, but maybe I do wins inside the distance decision, no action because he could lose a decision. I do love that prop bet. I hit it pretty often, or at least I get a refund if I don't. Weonpicks.com slash bets, 100% deposit match, 125% deposit match, depending on which promo you want to jump into. 
weonpicks.com slash bets. Monkey Knife Fight, get your free $100 deposit match at weonpicks.com slash MKF. Next up at UFC Vegas 28, we have the most exciting fight on the card, period. End of story, end of breakdown. We have Nico Price versus Alex Oliveira. Nico Price, 14 and 5, but only one win in his last five. He's got the draw with Cowboy and three losses in there. Alex Oliveira, 22 and 10, 2 and 3 in his last five, but very different losses, if you will. Alex Oliveira aging, fighting a different level of competition and a little, little bit gun shy at times. Nico Price putting it out there, willing to die, mixing it up with some incredible guys and putting his body on the line. If I can get a prop bet for what would be awarded fight of the night, this would be it. And I would put all of my money on it because this should be fireworks. Nico and Alex are very similar in their fight styles and their willingness to put themselves in harm way for us, for the fans. Uh, Nico has solid striking, good submissions. He has a knockout KO off his back, which will forever be a highlight reel. Just boop off his back. Nico is a blast to watch. He can beat anyone on any day with his determination, his will, and his absolute wildness. Alex Oliveira or Oliveira, uh, incredibly athletic with really good boxing, great kicks, solid submissions, great takedown defense. He's the complete package, honestly, but his willingness to get out there and have fun and mix it up and just get into a firefight is his downfall. He will strike when he should grapple. He'll get sucked into a brawl when he should keep it technical. Um, but he's dangerous absolutely everywhere. Alex Oliveira is the better fighter by far. He's more technical. He has more experience. He has more ways to win. But he does get sucked into wars. Nico is somebody who is going to suck him into a war. And he's not somebody that you want to be sucked into a war with. We just watched Nico against Michelle Pajeda. And holy crap, was that a fight. And Nico showed just what an absolute killer he is took a round, looked really, really good in that fight. And if Alex Oliveira fights that Nico in his face and like that wild Nico, he's going to have a really hard night. I am going to pick Oliveira here. I assume that is veteran savvy. He'll fight a smart fight, not succumb to his instincts, not get sucked into God knows what sloppy war and use those incredible leg kicks Slow Nico down. Take away some of that craziness. I like Alex Oliveira here. I think uh, I think he will get it done. $7,800 will probably be in my lineup. Honestly, even the loser in this fight will score really well. Um, the Monkey Knife fight line, definitely more on Alex. Definitely more on Alex. And probably more on Nico because he's hard to get out of there. 96 is so many though. But Nico is hard to get out of there. And we've seen that in his last few fights. Even absolute domination. He's not necessarily getting put out. So I, I probably the more and more on Monkey Knife Fight, definitely the more on Alex. And when you have lines like that with Monkey Knife Fight where you like one guy and not the other, go to the slates. When you're on the Monkey Knife Fight website or in the app, go to the slates and it'll take different fighters from different fights and put them against each other. So now you can get Alex Oliveira against somebody else and you like their line more. So you know you want the more on Alex. You don't know what to do with Nico. Go to the slates. Find Alex in the slates and do the more there. That's my big tip. We did that last week. Everybody's complaining. Oh my God, these lines are so hard. And they were hard lines last week. That's why I did less straight matchups and more slates to sort of make up that difference. Alex Oliveira, I love him at $7,800. He's 
he's my pick, but Nico, you know, Nico comes out there, does some wild spinny craziness and knocks him out. Wouldn't be shocking, right? The dude's absolutely nuts. This will be a ton of fight. You don't want to spend any money. Don't watch the fight. Enjoy the fight. I do like the monkey knife fight. We on picks.com slash MKF promo code WWP gets you an instant deposit match up to $100. If you already have an account and didn't deposit money yet, you still can WWP get your free money. I like Alex Oliveira more, find him in some slates and make something happen. Next up at UFC Vegas 28, we have Kevin Holland versus Kyle Dawkins. Kevin Holland, 21 and seven, three and two in his last five, but it is those two embarrassing held down wrestling losses. Kyle Dawkins, the smaller brother of the beast we just saw fight last weekend, 10 and two overall, three and two in his last five. Both of these guys coming off of a loss. Kevin Holland, I mean, this is an interesting matchup because it's striker versus grappler, but there's no wrestling between the two of them. I mean, Kyle will attempt some takedowns, get takedowns, but they're not really true wrestling takedowns. So it's a weird stylistic matchup in that regard. Kevin Holland has showed the world in back-to-back -back fights that he has literally zero clue how to defend a takedown. None. None whatsoever. The clearest path to victory of all time against Kevin Holland is shoot takedowns. But, but, he's very good in his feet. Very good in his feet. He's an absolute sniper on his feet. He's got legit power, great accuracy at range, and he's a good grappler, meaning jujitsu. He has very good jujitsu, very good striking, and literally nothing in between, and that is his downfall. That is where he loses those fights. And he's fighting a good grappler in this fight, but it should be a different look because Kyle Dawkins is really good on the ground, but he doesn't have very good wrestling. Does he need very good wrestling to take down um, Kevin Holland? I don't know. I really don't know. Kyle Dawkins, we just watched his brother Chris Dawkins get another knockout under his belt, continue to dominate on his feet in his weight class. But we've never seen him on the mat. His older brother's never been on the mat. These guys are polar opposites. Kyle only wants to be on the mat. So you can't, his brother is a non-factor. I mentioned him just to put that connection for you. But hopefully none of you are saying, oh, he's a younger brother of this guy. He must have phenomenal striking. No. He, he does not have phenomenal striking. So there's no correlation between the two other than their last name. Uh, Kyle's an okay striker. The mat is exactly where he wants to be. He's a very good grappler. He's got solid clinch work. His boxing, like I said, is just okay. Um, if you watch my UFC 266 recap, where I just couldn't stand that Ortega had a clear, on the ground, wild, clear advantage, but just had no means to get it there. Similar with Kyle Dawkins in this fight, but not as extreme because Kevin Holland is very good on the ground. He is competent on the ground. And Kyle's got a little bit of wrestling, but nothing fantastic. Um, Dawkins isn't much, you know, doesn't have much to offer in the wrestling, but he does attempt it. He'll use it. He'll push you up against the cage. He'll look for a trip, a body lock pull down. He's not going to drop nice, clean elevation, shoot a clean, beautiful shot. But I do expect him to look to get Kevin Holland against the cage, look for that trip, look for a body lock, look to make something happen. The big question mark here is how much has Kevin Holland's wrestling improved? Because he took Daniel Cormier up on his offer to go out to American Top or um, Amer uh, AKA American Kickboxing Academy. He took him up on that offer. He's been out there. He's been wrestling. You can see, you know, it's all over everybody's Instagram. And I don't know how much better he's gotten, right? 
I'm a longtime wrestler. I wrestled my whole life, coach wrestling for a very long time. You can make improvements in six months. You're not going to make these improvements in six months, especially where he was coming from. I mean, his wrestling was absolutely atrocious. So, listen, Kevin Holland on his feet is a real problem for anybody. Kyle Dawkins on his feet, just okay. Kevin Holland on the ground is a problem for some people. Chris Dawkins, or sorry, Kyle Dawkins on the ground is a problem for a lot of people. In between, takedown defense is not there for Kevin. Offense for Kyle, just okay. And I think just okay is enough to get this done. So I think Kyle Dawkins will follow everybody else's game plan. If he's not in the gym wrestling like an absolute madman because he knows what the exact path to victory is, I would be shocked. If Kevin Holland went out there and knocked out Kyle Dawkins with that beautiful, clean, crisp, accurate, solid striking, I'd be very annoyed, but I wouldn't be shocked. I do think Kyle sticks to a game plan, gets rid of any distance, and drags it to the ground at any means necessary. And from there, he should control. He should do well. Kevin is competent. He will use those long legs, those long arms to try to make things happen. But Kyle's better and will avoid any of that stuff. Kyle Docks is the pick. I will probably throw a money line bet on him. Plus 120, I like. $7,700 in DraftKings, I like. The monkey knife fight line, I hate it. I'm not going to touch it anywhere. I absolutely despise it. I despise it. I hate every single thing about that monkey knife fight strike line. I know Kevin Holland's got a lot of, very busy, very busy. It's incredible the strikes he gets off and has power, but I, I just don't like that strike line at all. I'm not going to touch it. You guys let me know in the comments what you think of that strike line. You may have a better read on it than I do. I hate it. I'm not going to do anything with it, but I am going to play around with some bets. Maybe Kyle Dawkins by submission. Or wins inside the distance, decision, no action. You know I freaking love those. Um, but anyway, Dawkins is the pick. I like Dawkins in DraftKings. I will definitely have some bets on Dawkins scattered, sprinkled about. Kevin Holland, let's hope we can avoid the big shots, avoid the volume, and just stick to a grapple game plan to get it done. Next up at UFC Vegas 28, we have the main event of the evening. We have Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker, Tiago Santos, 21 and nine overall, two and three in his last five, coming off of three losses in a row. Johnny Walker, 18 and five in his career, three and two in his last five, coming off of a nice win. Tiago Santos is probably the hardest hitting guy in this weight class. And that includes Jan Blahovich and Glover Teixeira. He's fast as hell, a ton of power with absolute savage kicks before he blew out his knees. Savage kicks. Since he blew out his knees, we haven't seen as many of those kicks. And I don't know if he's worried about throwing them. I don't know if it hurts. I, I, I don't know how healed he is, but we've seen the incredible hand speed. We've seen the incredible power. We haven't necessarily seen those kicks come back. And those kicks are what he had a split decision loss to John Jones. Some people thought he won and he did that with his kicks and he blew out his knees in that fight and he still was able to do really well. Uh, a lot of people think he beat John Jones. Um, and like I said, he did it with the kicks and his knees got busted up in that fight. We watched him almost put Glover's lights out with that incredible power, but then he slowed down and he lost to the more dominant grappler. Tiago Santos is a BJJ black belt and may look to get this fight on the ground to get back into the win column. Honestly, his hands are stupid dangerous. His cardio suffers. 
And if you could take him down, if you're on top, even though he's a jiu-jitsu black belt, he doesn't do much with it. But if he can dictate and he can get on top, he may have some real threats and something to offer in the jiu-jitsu department. Johnny Walker is very big for this weight class. And keep in mind, Tiago Santos was a 185-pounder who's been at 205 for, I don't know, a couple years, right? But And he looks normal size for the weight class, but Johnny Walker is tremendous for the weight class. The dude is 6'6". He's fast, powerful, athletic, and also wild. He's basically a bigger Nico Price who we broke down earlier. He will spin. He will jump. He will smile while he's doing it. He's very unorthodox, very dangerous because of all his striking techniques. He has legit power behind them. We've only seen him get put out once in the UFC, and that was against Corey Anderson. And you may say, well, if Corey Anderson can put him out, then Tiago Santos can definitely put him out. And I completely agree with you. But it is a little different, right? Corey, Corey put him out. It was super quick. No real rhythm there. But Johnny might have been worried about the takedowns and not taking the striking seriously. And then click, got caught. Um, but that does make it a tough fight to call because Tiago Santos can put anybody's lights out at any moment. And Tiago Santos has been somewhat of a shell of what he used to be. So Tiago will be live for the KO at any moment. He's coming off of three losses and is a shell of himself. Johnny Walker coming off a good win over Ryan Spann and is never gun shy. Never gun shy. We've seen Tiago Santos a little bit gun shy recently. Johnny Walker is never afraid to throw, never afraid to make something happen. Is always putting something out there, forcing action. Um, I think. I assume, I hope, I guess, that Johnny Walker's forward pressure, the craziness will frustrate Tiago Santos, have Tiago Santos a step behind, a little afraid to get his strikes off, um, and he's going to have a hard night. He's going to be backing up quite a bit, throwing with big power, missing, which is exhausting, slow down over time, and you know there is a very clear path to beat Tiago, which is sort of take him down and hang out on top. I don't think Johnny needs that. Um, I think Johnny's going to mix up the striking, stay in his face, stay busy, do the crazy crap. Tiago will probably get a little bit frustrated, start to slow down, gas. And I have Johnny Walker winning this fight. Again, if Tiago Santos puts his lights out, who the hell is going to be surprised? I'm not going to be. I like Johnny Walker. I might do a money line bet on him. I picked a lot of underdogs on this card, and that always makes me really nervous, especially coming off last week's UFC. It was the 266 was mostly favorites winning. Uh, Johnny Walker, $7,400. I think he's a great, a great price in DraftKings. The problem is if he loses lights out, no points, but let's hope he can survive the first round. His massive size, his crazy striking will frustrate Tiago. Keep Tiago slowed, if you will. And Tiago is not gonna be able to get off plus 145. I will money line bet that most likely at weonpicks.com slash bets. Johnny Walker strike line 41, Tiago 54. I think the more and more. 54 is a lot because Yago Santos has such freaking power. But I think I like the more and more because I don't think this is going to be a super quick knockout. I think this fight's going to go a little bit. And I, I may bet the round line as well, um, the over on the rounds. Because two strikers both have power, but, you know, uh, I think they'll they'll aware of each other's power and they'll dance around a bit and uh, this fight should survive. So I like Santos, but not enough. Johnny Walker's the pick. Johnny Walker will be my my DraftKings lineup. I will probably have a money line bet on him. I'll explore some other options there. I will probably do the over 
on the round line because I do think it's a competitive back and forth fight. But um, monkey knife fight, more and more. Lots of action on this fight. Lots of action on this fight. It's amazing main, main event. This is actually a really sneaky good fight night card. Thanks for watching. WeWantPicks.com. I've said this a million times. Slash bets. We have betting promos. Jump in. Get your free money. Bet on fights. Bet on football. I don't care what you bet with. But grab the free money. WeWantPicks.com slash MKF. Monkey Knife Fight is so much fun. Get in there. Bet or play some of these round lines. It's daily fantasy. It's perfectly legal. It's an app on your phone. Super fun. WeWantPicks.com slash MKF. Promo code WWP. Get your deposit match. I'll see you guys Saturday. We'll probably be back to doing live streams and streams and things should be normal. I'll see you Saturday. Thanks for watching. Hit all these lines now before Chris moves them. See you then.